The future could be brilliant. A personal inquiry into why much of the world seems crazy and what to do about it. Part 8 In the Land of the Free I had a timely reminder recently of just what we're dealing with when tackling the sociopathic and authoritarian distortion in human culture that I've reported in this series of programmes. In a recent BBC4 television documentary called Lost Civilizations of Central America, Dr Jago Cooper told us the story of the Taino people of the Caribbean. The Taino were a peaceful and cultured people who had a well-developed and sustainable egalitarian society. Each village had their own village elders who were as likely to be women as men. The archaeological evidence paints a picture of a largely idyllic Caribbean island's paradise. It was not all love and peace, but not far away from it. It's easy to imagine a close parallel with the egalitarian Eden culture of old Europe as evidenced by Maria Gambutis. These cultures, and many others, show clearly that humans can and have lived peacefully and sustainably without warfare, without violence, without wealth or gender inequality. It's hard not to see another parallel when you learn what happened to them. Dr Cooper relates how, in October 1492, three Spanish ships appeared over the horizon next to the island we now call Puerto Rico. By the Spaniards' own accounts, the Taino people received the Europeans with generosity and kindness. Indeed, Columbus himself wrote, They were very friendly to us and became wonderfully attached to us. More ominously, he noted, They should make good servants. Although the Taino initially welcomed the tall, strange white men, the relationship between the islanders and the Spanish quickly turned sour. The Spanish had swords, horses and ferocious dogs, all of which they used against the unprepared islanders. Columbus and his followers showed no mercy for the culture they encountered. The chronicles they left behind about the conquest painted them as patriotic Christian heroes with noble motives. They legitimised their colonisation by saying they encountered savages, wild people, cannibals, useless people. For 60 years after contact, the Spanish attacked and subjugated the Taino. Important elders and leaders were drowned, hanged or burned at the stake. Religious artefacts were destroyed in the name of Christianity. My attention was well and truly grabbed when Jago reported that Columbus and his crew forced a female chief, known as Anacauna, to witness 80 of her fellow elders being burned alive. The Kurgans, it seemed, had well and truly arrived in the Americas. It was decreed that any Taino that refused to convert to Christianity was to be enslaved. By 1504, just 12 years after first contact, all the elders who had originally welcomed Columbus were dead. It was a barbaric pattern that would be repeated across the Americas. Although all this was done in the name of Christianity and Spain, I'm sure that Andrew Lobachevsky would have no doubts that these were just masks adopted as conveniences by unrestrained predators. Sociopathic and authoritarian predators 
let loose amongst humane and innocent people, or should I say, innocent prey. The brutality of Columbus and his gangster crew, coupled with the introduction of diseases the Taino had no immunity from, decimated them, their language and their culture. What followed in the wake of Columbus, of course, was the development of an international trade in slaves, people as commodities, things. It's a mistake to imagine that all sociopathic predators are outwardly violent people. The majority seem contempt to operate in subtler but no less destructive ways. Columbus and crew were seeking gold and riches, lots of stuff, because stuff equaled position and power. The power-seekers of today still crave after gold and material wealth, but are more likely to rig the foreign currency exchange rate or be found at the top of financial institutions and corporations that have lost sight of any sense of morality or responsibility for society or the planet. But are we going to stand aside and let those with the hidden disabilities that underlie this distorted behaviour carry on till they destroy us all. The old phrase, time and tide wait for no man, has never been more true. If the tide's going to be five, ten or twenty feet higher, then doing nothing is no longer acceptable, is it? But unlike the peaceful people of the old Eden culture or the Taino of the Caribbean, we now know what's going on, and more importantly, we know what to do about it. We can test those in positions of power for sociopathic and authoritarian tendencies and disabilities. We can ensure that those in position of responsibility have the capacity to care for us all and not just exploit us for the benefit of the few. We have the tried and tested templates ready and waiting to create a true democracy. Our house, where the politicians are genuinely accountable to the people. We know how to create a truly sustainable, egalitarian society in partnership and harmony with Mother Nature. But will this knowledge set us free? When I first encountered a wonderful 1950s steam train in Stonehouse Railway Station, little did I realise that just a few years before me, hundreds of thousands of children throughout Europe had, like myself, taken such a journey for the first time. They did not have the choice of first, second and third class carriages. They were herded into cattle trucks and goods wagons. Along with people around the world, I watched the commemoration of the Nazi Holocaust on TV. Commentators throughout the day kept asking how this horrendous episode could have happened. I was frustrated and puzzled that Bob Altmaier, Robert D. Hare and others, who have explained so much to help us understand this, were noticeably absent from the proceedings. I sometimes think that the wholesale consumption and destruction of the living world we are witnessing could be seen as the continuation of the concentration camp mentality. In the uncontrolled sociopathic race for supremacy and global domination, those in power are allowing the unrestrained pumping of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. The inevitable outcome is that life as we know it 
is going to be effectively destroyed as the climate steadily and relentlessly heats up beyond the point of no return, a kind of slow incineration. The Holocaust, the word meaning the whole burnt, on a truly global scale. When the train took our family on holiday to Mull in the 1950s, we joined in with the summer salmon bagnet fishing. Little did anyone realise then that such a wonderful resource would eventually become so scarce and endangered. When we sparkled around the shore as youngsters, we would also come across elvers in the ponds and burns that joined the sea. They were also plentiful. Eel numbers are now down by 90% since those days. Overfishing, pollution and acidification are threatening to kill off the wonderful ocean bounty that should be everyone's inheritance. If we're going to become free of this nightmare, then we have to wake up from the distorted cultural conditioning that stops us seeing through this madness. To live in a world free from the distortions and cruelty of the heartless and headless is not just about physical freedom, but also freedom of mind. We are in many ways domesticated animals. We are trained, programmed and conditioned from childhood to comply with the cultural norms of our families and tribes. If we are brought up in a distorted society, then many of our attitudes and beliefs are going to be distortions as well. To find our way to the land of the free, we need to address our own attitudes, beliefs and conditioning. Possibly the greatest mistake we make is to imagine ourselves to be separate. As Alan Watts remarked, we're not all bags of skin and bones separated from everything else. We are part of the whole. Global warming and climate change remind us of this in the most dramatic way. Alan uses the analogy of us being like apples on an apple tree. Life is the tree of which we are the fruits. So although experiencing a unique existence, we were never other than part of it all. We don't need to worry about a heaven somewhere else. Life goes on, and as such, so do we. We have been around in one form or another for billions of years. As Joni Mitchell reminds us, crucial elements of our composition were actually formed in the heart of a star, Billions of years ago. You are stardust. You are golden. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. So if we're going to get back to any semblance of the garden, of Maria Gambutis's Eden time, of a healthy and sustainable relationship with the rest of life, then we need to take action. As part of the whole, it's us who will inherit the kind of world that we ourselves have influenced. We cannot wait for someone somewhere else to stand up first. Creating a genuine democracy here, in this country, now, will shine out like a beacon across the world. Like a Stevenson lighthouse, it can point the way to a sustainable future, and chart a safe passage for all those travellers who will follow. So for all our precious sons and daughters, for all those wild and wonderful grandchildren, for all Jock Tamson's bairns, surely now is the time to take our world back from those who lack the capacity 
and ability to understand, who would lead us blindly to our destruction. Surely now is the time to stand up and defend the health and welfare of us all, to nurture a healthy environment in which we can all thrive. If we choose the friendly way now, we can perhaps avoid the inevitable fight that will ensue if we let things deteriorate too far. If doing this creates a storm, it will be only half as bad as the storms we're storing up by continuing as we are. Those with sociopathic and authoritarian deficits and disabilities, the fanatics and fundamentalists, the kurgans and dominators, the heartless and headless predators, the H2OOs, they won't let go of power easily. But if you stand together, you will be, you are, dear caring and considerate humankind, invincible. It seems like just the other day when we set off from Africa to explore the world. We've now been everywhere, looked into every nook and cranny, including looking into ourselves to try to make sense of our world. We've accrued remarkable knowledge and insight. At last, we're in a position to understand why the world seems crazy and have the ability to stand back and see what we need to do. The friendly revolution is happening. By drawing your attention to certain aspects of it, I hope I can do my bit to make it happen faster. But could it already be too late? I hope not, dear listener, because in many ways we've only just begun and what could be the most brilliant part of the human story. I'll leave the last word to our friend, Mr Burns. Then let us pray that come it may, as come it will for all that, that sense and worth o'er all the earth shall bear the gree and all that. For all that and all that, it's coming yet for all that, that man to man the world o'er shall brothers and sisters be for, for all that. that.